1974, in a football match between Derby County and Manchester City in what was then known as Division One, now the Premier League, Francis Franny Lee hit a screamer of a winner into the top corner of the city net, prompting the great Barry Davies to deliver one of the most celebrated pieces of football commentary of all time. Very interesting. Look at his face. Just look at his face, he screamed. And while he was talking about a football match, I think that deep down inside, somehow Barry had had a premonition of this episode of The Mandalorian, an episode in which Mando <laughs> comes ever closer to a fundamental change of direction. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to The Mandalorian. In this episode, we're going to be talking about episode seven of season two, aka chapter 15, aka The Believer, written and directed by Rick Famuyuya. And uh, joining me to discuss that are my three. Dank Ferricks of such lethal Dank Ferric, Geek Queen Helen O'Hara. Hello. Grand Nerd Admiral James Dyer. Greetings. And um, due to Grogu's absence from this episode this week, Ben Travis will not be appearing on this episode. Sorry, Ben, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I refuse anyway. Any episode that does not have Baby Yoda, what am I going to talk about, Chris? What am I going to talk about? Should we just quickly run through Baby Yoda's highlights from this episode? There we go. We just did it. Yep. Uh, he's not in this episode, Ben. What's going on? How oh, are you? How, how did you feel? Well, I'm still stressed because he's still where he was left last week, which was a stressful position to be in. So I'm, I'm still carrying that anxiety for an extra week. Thanks, Favs. Thanks, Filoni. Thanks, Famo Yiwa. All the F people. Yeah, F you people. Let's just hope that he somewhere he's, you know, running through a field, his little ears flapping in the breeze and having a grand old time. Yes, run run towards the light, Grogu. Run towards the light. No, away from the light. Away from the light. (laughs) Not towards the darkness. But not towards the dark, yeah. Oh god. Just walk a very thin line, if you can, somewhere between the light and the dark. If you could do that, that'd be great. Just sit down and have a biscuit. Or an, or an egg. You can eat whatever you want. <laughs> just, just be okay. Uh, yes, we didn't get to see any. Listen, I keep forgetting to do a recap. Let me do a recap, and then we can okay, talk on. about the okay. episode. All right. Okay. Quick recap. So, rather than dedicating, as we perhaps thought last week, um, rather than dedicating an entire episode to a prison break, Marshall Cara Dune simply takes Mayfeld, played by Bill Burr, into her custody right at the beginning of the episode in the cold open. Mando, who is teamed up with Dune and Fennec Shand, and some dude called Boba Fett, needs Mayfeld to get him into an Imperial facility on Morak, where they can find the coordinates that will lead them to... <laughs> just reminds me of Sean Connery and The Rock for some reason. Morak! Uh, where they can find the coordinates that will lead them to Moff Gideon and Darth Grogu. Sorry, Baby Yoda. No! Once there, a series of totally organic challenges involving face recognition software <laughs> means... <laughs> That the only way they can get those coordinates after seizing, and it had, I mean, after seizing an Imperial transport carrying highly volatile Rhydonium and fighting off pirates who want to blow it up for reasons, <laughs> is for Mando to do the decent thing, grab his helmet, and pull it off. Good Once Lord. there, an Imperial officer has a chat with him and reveals the horrors that Mayfeld endured whilst serving. The Empire, a shootout ensues, and when the dust settles, Mando and Chums escape with the coordinates, Mayfeld gets his freedom, and Mando, ever courteous, because this is the way, 
calls ahead to Moff Gideon yeah. to, to let him he know. He goes full Brian Mills. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. <laughs> to let him know that he and his particular set of skills are on their way to kick all kinds of Imperial ass. So nice of him. Guys, I don't know that you're all going to agree with me. I thought that in a season which has constantly delivered the best episode of The Mandalorian yet... This was the best, best episode of The Mandalorian yet, hmm. yet. I really enjoyed it. Weirdly, this is my least favourite of this season. But mm. uh, but I loved it. I thought it was great. But I think they've all been incredibly yeah. great. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was wonderful, but just not obviously as wonderful as you did. I feel mm. similarly to James mm. in that it was uh, probably yeah. like one of my less favourite episodes in a series that's been like why. great every single week. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's the only episode in the whole show to date that doesn't have Baby Yoda. Like that's yeah. a significant shift and shows, Chris, your underlying hatred for Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> that's because they're, they're preparing them. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that last night they didn't announce because they announced, I think, I'm pretty sure Helen has a, has a Star Wars show, I'm pretty sure. Uh, James has a Star Wars animated <laughs> show coming. I'm surprised that in the in the grand Disney you know news spaffathon that happened last night that they didn't announce a, a Grogu spin-off or as he might said an off spin that'd be fun <laughs> Grogu playing cricket that'd be that'd be amazing uh, but yeah maybe they're preparing this for for life without Baby Yoda and that's why Ben has a a rather a rather sort of chilly pale demeanor at the moment his pallor is not great maybe baby yoda is an essential part of the mandalorian and will always be part of the mandalorian and that's why he doesn't get a spin-off because he is absolutely needed here yes and and look he he wasn't physically in this episode but he was still driving the plot he was still the essential element that led to the big thing that happened this week that the the (gasps) one thing that we are going to probably spend quite a while talking about because it felt like the whole episode was built around it happened purely because Mm. of baby Yoda, his incredible cuteness, and the fact that we all want him to be okay. Yeah. I did feel a lot that when Mando leaves his message from Moff Gideon, that was basically you speaking, Ben. Like, you know, <laughs> you may think you have some idea what you're in possession of, but you do not. You have no idea what he, he means to he me. He means more to me than you will ever know. <laughs> also, I mean, if we have to talk about Pedro Pascal's face, I am, I'm on board with that. I'm here for it. I'm ready to take part. <laughs> that seems fair. Um, Wait, God, I mean, it's just struck me. Sorry, this week his face was his warrant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It verified him. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is true. It should have been tight as well, over. Uh, this is what <laughs> this is what his entire career has been building towards. But no, it was Mando. There he was with his big old ugly face. Oh my God! We now know why he wears a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. I'm watching. I'm looking at it right now. Looking at it. I mean. Yeah, with, yes, the, with the tousled mus- hair, oh. his moustache is a bit. It's, I don't know. It's not. It's Your moustache is a bit quite symmetrical. <laughs> it's a bit asymmetrical, isn't it? Oh my god! I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm finding a lot to criticise in Pedro Pascal, one of the most <laughs> handsome men on the planet. We should. We should point out. No. Um. This is a huge thing mm. within the context of the show. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about it all season. I was convinced at some point this season we would see Pedro Pascal's face. Yeah. But uh, the circumstances, and we have seen it before. Let's be honest. You know. Obviously, in in the final episode of of season one, but this was a big thing because this is the first time that someone else, another living being, Mm. has clapped Mm. eyes on his visage. And all the way through this season, we have had these little seeds planted, whether it's from Bo-Katan or whether it's from someone else, you know, that maybe this isn't the way, Mando. Maybe, you know, maybe you can change the, the creed that's been laid down and you've been following all your life. 
And as as Mayfell says, when people are backed into a corner, they will do interesting things. I, mm. I think he's gonna. This is gonna come back to bite him in the ass because you remember what the Death Watch I have asked him, like the armor in particular has asked him, "Have you ever taken your helmet off? Has anyone seen your face?" Like, no, this is the way. You know, at some point you've got to think someone's gonna ask him that again, and he'll be like, "Um, because he killed or that Mayfield actually killed everyone who saw his face, so Mayfield is now the only one who knows what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Really, should have killed him too. Yeah, but I, I think the 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 way the story unrolled, he he couldn't really do that. And I I think I I think you're right. I think it could come back to Biden. But I also think that that all these seeds that have been planted, and especially that conversation with Bo-Katan, is really mm. really important in getting him to this point. Deprogramming. It, deprogramming, yes, but also like getting him to acknowledge that his love for, frankly, Baby Yoda can only be expressed in this way, that like this is what needs to be done and therefore he does it. And that's more important than the code to him right mm. now. And I think if he hadn't had that little niggle of doubt, then maybe he wouldn't have been able to do that. And maybe it would have been, you know, even tougher for him. Um, but I think that allowed him to contemplate a future where he is still a Mandalorian and mm-hmm. also could do what was necessary in this moment to yeah. protect Grogu. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where he's 100% Pedro Pascal all the time. No, no, unfortunately not. I don't think the show would work as well. No, I absolutely I absolutely not. He has to wear the helmet most of the time. But mm. you know, if he can take it off on vacations or lunch breaks, then then by all means, go for it. Um, ha, ha, shall we just, let's be superficial for a second, for a second, as if we're anything other than superficial, um, and talk about, let's, let's talk about the hair. Mm. Uh, Cobb Fanth, who I am now increasingly convinced is not going to appear again in this season, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, you know, I don't know where Tatooine is in relation to Morak and where they're going, but it seems to me that he's not going to appear again, and it, uh, neither is Grief Karga, neither is Peli Motto, Neither Sasuke Tano and my Luke Skywalker slash Ezra Bridger uh, theory is diminishing with with every passing second. But anyway, yeah, let's talk possibly. about that later on. Let's okay. focus on his hair. Ugh. Compared to Cobb Fanth, how do you rate the helmet hair, Helen? Obviously, his hair is different to Timothy Oliphant. It's a bit yeah. longer. It's a bit more loose. It's a bit more dishevelled. I mean, dishevelling is always good. Um, I think men underestimate the power of dishevelling, but. I think it's not really fair to compare the two because Cobb Vanth had clearly access had access to a comb, and uh, Mando obviously has not. You know, he's he, that's that's his helmet hair. But as with the miraculous powers of Kylo Ren, yes. helmet hair in his case is not flat and drab looking. It's it's rather bouncy and lustrous. So I'm is, basically here for it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, it's a huge concession, I know, to be say that I'm here for Pedro Pascal's hair, but that's the kind mm. of gal I am. I'm very easygoing. Do you know, I've just realised, I think Cobb Fanth must have coated the inside of Boba Fett's helmet uh, with a thick... <laughs> hang on. Do you, do, not, do not second guess me. This isn't filth I for once. How, dare, how even, dare you? I did not even think you were going there. Okay, good. He has coated the inside of Boba Fett's helmet with a thick, sticky substance. And now I think that's where you're going. Yes, okay. now it's filth. Now it's pure filth. <laughs> oh, I'll be honest, it was filth in the beginning, but I just didn't want to tell you. No, uh, it's so he's coated it with Brill Cream. Right, so it comes off. So as off, he lifts the helmet off, it styles it, it brings, his hair. That's that's fun. I mean, this is this was my theory with Kylo Ren. I thought there were like a million tiny hair dryers in <laughs> yes. his helmet that would sort of give him a sort of whoomph as he, as he yeah. takes it off, but apparently not. So um, yeah, but Mando's yeah. more of a lo-fi helmet. His helmet wouldn't have that stuff built in. He spent all his money on on Whistler's birds. 
Whistling birds? Whistling birds? <laughs> Whistler's birds? Whist- he spent all Whistler's his money mother. on whistling birds. Whistling's, yeah, he spent all his money on Whistler's mother, but the one from Bean, the ultimate disaster <laughs> yep, movie. Yeah. He's really furious about it. I would legit pay more for that version of that painting than the, uh, <laughs> than the original classic. It's legit better. That's just, that's just art. I wonder if when Boba Fett put the helmet on for the first time, he was like, oh, what's all this like gel stuff in the top of my helmet? And he felt it like right on his scalp. Yeah, because of course he doesn't need it. So the, the Brill Green exactly. is still in Boba Fett's helmet, but we have no way of knowing its Good efficacy. Lord. Can we speak about Boba Fett's helmet for a while? Um, what I want to ask <laughs> is this. What what kind of fucking, you know, helmet smith resprays your armor and then leaves the dent in the helmet? Like, come on, get a panel beater for fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, it's Beskar steel. Maybe it's harder. Maybe it's tougher to work with than Perhaps that. Perhaps that is it. Perhaps that is literally the reason you can't knock the dent out. But so, I don't know where he stopped off. So they've, they've gone really urgent. We've got to get Bobby Yoda back. Absolutely. We've got to break this guy out. You know, we're on a mission. Hang on. Can we please stop at a body shop? Because my armor's looking a bit scruffy. And he he, he selected the matte finish, which yes, I feel like is going gonna, gonna, like, to scratch really easily. <laughs> yes, like, I thought that. You should have just gone for the classic. <laughs> go for go for satin. Go for satin or mm. like a gloss, but not, not, no. But maybe, he has, maybe he has like a little spray chamber in his ship. Because it's so spa- spacious looking, I'm sure there's one. So in like there a tanning, like a self fake tanning booth. Like a fake but, tanning but for booth. Armor. But for you go armor. in, you put yeah. your arms out and do the can can, and it just sprays all your armor yeah. and sorts you out. <laughs> I think that would totally be a thing that you would want in an enclosed space. But he got his armor yeah. spray, but he still hasn't got his black pajamas swapped out for some proper, you know, undergarments. He's still got that slightly weird hybrid look going on. It's like, come on, Boba, priorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boba Fett fanboys. And girls, obviously Helen, sorry. Um, Oh, sure. I know you're now Team Boba. I think would have been a little disappointed by his his presence in this episode. He wasn't really in it that much. Mm. And I have to say, and I'm sure they'll they'll play a part next week and he's bringing him along for the ultimate ride and the the crusade against Moff Gideon and his his merry twats. But Fennec Shand and Cara Dune did not have a lot to do. This this week's episode, it's like you bring Ming Na Wen back into the show, and then she stands on a ridge mm-hmm. and watches someone else do something cool. Yeah, yeah, could have could have done better there. I think it's very much a two hander with Bill Burr this week. And and while their scenes are great, you're right, everybody else is kind of a little bit shortchanged. And definitely, Ming Na Wen needs more to do, like ASAP. Come on, guys. I did really like uh, Boba Fett's excuse, though, where he said they might recognise my face. <laughs> he's, he's got one of those faces, you know, that you just see everywhere. You see it on, on hundreds of people around the galaxy. I thought that was a, a fun little uh, note. <laughs> Didn't get that. No, it hadn't crossed my mind either. Let's just say recognise That completely sailed over did my it? head. And that really <laughs> made me chuckle. I really liked that bit. See, I got I got incredibly niche things like the fact that the model of microphone in the transport is the same one used in the detention block of the Death Star, but I didn't notice the really obvious <laughs> reference to the clone <laughs> army. <laughs> were you were you moved to think about uh, the Les Miserables and at any point, James? I always don't. isn't he? Oh, I mean, generally, I was I was humming along to when they kept know. talking about inmate three four six six seven. Oh, I yes. just kept thinking of prisoner no, two four six seven one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett's face. Uh, I also wondered if that was maybe a reference to the fact that he's been played by two different people. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. It's like you know they're scanning his they're scanning this system and a picture of Jeremy Bullock pops up and <laughs> goes straight past it. So a couple of things about Boba Fett in this one. This hmm. is. Because it hit me last week when I was editing the podcast that we talked about the fact that the Razor Crest had been destroyed mm. and how important that was. 
but I don't think we really dwelled in it enough. I don't think we gave it its due because the Razor Crest has been the one location constant for this show uh, through 14 different chapters. It's the it's the it's the place that we can always return to in an episode. You know, usually an episode begins or ends with Mando in the cockpit with Baby Yoda behind him. Mm. And we will never see that again. Mm. And so it was really interesting and jarring this week to see them inside Slave One, which is a lot roomier than I thought it would be. We've seen Chango fly it in Attack of the Clones, but I don't think we've ever seen that sort of re- ready room lounge yeah. area <laughs> before. Yeah, it it also does explain though that it's basically on a gimbal and it turns because that's always yeah. I've I've never understood like the way it takes off and then yeah. flies mm-hmm. like how that works so I was pleased at least to see that address. I found that super satisfying. Mm-hmm. What, so explain because I, I think I missed this bit. Show, tell me about the gimbal. So you know Did the way it sort of it, it sort of lands horizontally yeah, so it lands but flies its, vertically. Its, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, how does that work if you're sitting yeah. in it? Like, what position yeah. are, are, is it? Like the Mercury astronauts? Like, how mm. does that work? But basically, it seemed like the the seating area was round but basically rotated so it's always sort of level if you like because one of the things that annoyed me was when fett took off he's clearly sitting you know space shuttle style facing upwards i'm like well that's just utterly impractical why is the driving seat not on a gimbal that's kind of what i was thinking yeah it's good to know which part of the ship is because you can Mm. see the background moving as they Mm. sort of take off the pilot's seat is a little bit you know Mm. fiddly Mm. But it still seems roomier on the inside than it should be. It seems a bit TARDIS-like. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so weird. It is so weird. But uh, yeah, but good to see it. I, I do wonder how permanent it's going to be as, as Mando's home, whether mm. he's going to get Razor Crest 2 or... Uh, you know, electric uh, electric boogaloo, yeah, or something. But I, I, I got to thinking during the show about how old Boba Fett is meant to be, right? Okay. So in Attack of the Clones, which takes place what? Jimbo, roughly twenty years, twenty five to thirty years before it's this. Do you think? That, yeah. Well, no. Uh, ooh, huh. Yeah. Well, this. This, so this is five years after Jedi, isn't it? Yeah. We should say five years after Star Star Wars, like a New Hope, right? right. Which is twenty years after Sith. Which is five so years, years or so after so, clones. So, so we're maybe about thirty years between. Call it thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. About about thirty years thereabouts. Maybe 35. All right. So Boba, when we first met him, played by Daniel Logan, get him dead, was what? 10? Because he was meant to kind of echo Anakin, maybe a little older. I'd say 10 max. I'd say 10 max. Yeah, I would say 8 to 10. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm basically saying is Boba Fett in this is meant to be what? Mid 40s? Late it's not 40s? the years, honey. It's the money. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But, you know, being in the Sarlacc pit for all of three <laughs> yeah. minutes, which is what he seems to have yeah. been, has really taken his toll. <laughs> I have to say, are we ever going to find out how he got out of the Sarlacc? It's just they're just not going to address it. I mean, they'll probably mention something at some point. Oh, was... It's going to be in a comic, isn't it? It'll yeah. be somewhere. Oh, no. no, it'll be in the Ahsoka show or the <laughs> Rangers of the New Republic show or Cobb Fant's Incredible Hair show or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. There will be a show just about him getting out of the Sarlacc. It'll probably be a game show as well. But like, it's a knockout, but with you know, <laughs> tentacles. Escape Blood Sarlacc. I would love to watch that. That would be amazing. Be hosted by Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> anyway, this is no this is no way intended. This is disrespect to, to Mira Morrison. Because clearly, there's a bit of makeup on him as well, but he mm. looks older than I think he's meant to be, is what I'm saying. Well, it might be a cloning. I know he was meant to not be artificially you know, sped up, uh, age-wise like the other clones, but it's possible they misjudged a little bit and there's a little bit of that in there. So I think it's fine. We can hand wave it. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. It was, speaking of Slave One, though, it was very nice to see the return of the seismic charge, which yes. I always, I always think is the single best sound effect in the whole of the prequel trilogy. The wow. fact that you get absolute silence and then a guitar power chord as it detonates—it's very cool. It's like being beaten up by a hard day's night's opening chord. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Basically, what it is. Um, yeah, I love that. That that was that was tremendous. Uh, it reminded me of Attack of the Clones, and anything that reminds me of Attack mm. of the Clones, <laughs> it's, it's a five star sound effect. <laughs> it's a good thing. 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 Chris, yes. Chris, five come back to us. Five. Chris, with a lightsaber, mate. Load you with a lightsaber. Give it five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Come back hey, to guys, the light, sorry, Chris. Sorry, sorry. Hey, what happened? Um. Yeah, I blacked out and I woke up and there was an extra star on the on the Attack of the Clones review. I don't know what happened. Uh, anywho, yeah, so so Boba Fett's barely in this episode. Uh, Fennec Shand is barely in this episode. Cara Dune is barely in this episode. But instead, Bill Burr is the focal point of this episode as Mayfeld. And mm. I thought he was terrific, especially when you know that Bill Burr doesn't know anything about Star Wars. And I just, I get, I get a sort of little, I don't know, a little glow of satisfaction just thinking, does he know what's going on? All the stuff he's saying, the people he's talking to, does he care? Does he know? Does he care? But he he was back as Mayfeld, and that conversation between him and Mando mm. about you know the the similarities and how people perceive the Empire and the New Republic, and yeah. you know there's there's you know there's the ruler and the ruled, uh, which obviously feels <laughs> very timely <laughs> at the mm. moment. And he was talking about the Australian option, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> that was, I think, the center. Weirdly enough, in an episode that I think has the single best action set piece of the entire show to date, I thought that was the uh, the the center point of the episode. Also, the conversation with Richard Brake's Imperial dickhead. Yeah, I, I think it was really interesting. Uh, that co- well, a few things about this episode. First of all, the fact that he's on a prison planet, fine, where he's doing forced labor. It looks like so the New Republic has forced labor for convicts, which is kind of something we associate with bad guys in the real world, do we not? And it's kind of something that has been a hallmark of the Imperials. Yeah, Yeah, this isn't community service, service, though. That's forced labor. Oh, I don't know. It's the equivalent of like picking up litter in Hyde Park. I think it's, you know. I I mean, (laughs) I'm not convinced if it's on a prison planet. All, Helen, all benevolent penal systems have droids with electric cattle rods to prod people when they're not working hard enough. That's just the lay of the land. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that that rather adds weight to his contention that New Republic or Empire, there's not a lot of difference for people on the ground. And I think that shot of the little boy kind of just staring at them as the convoy trundles through their village is also mm. part of that. You know, it's it's kind of uh, a sense that the local populace is judging you. So the local populace might well welcome pirates who are trying to blow your sh- stuff up and make you leave the planet. You know, I thought that was well done. And I think it it kind of adds weight to his to what he's saying, basically. Yeah. And then his later sort of attack of conscience, therefore, seemed to have a bit more context to it and a bit more. It didn't sort of come out of nowhere like it might have done if we'd gone straight from prison to that conversation with is it Valen Hess? Mm-hmm. What a about name. Operation Cinder and Burnin Cone? Which I, I have taken part in Operation Cinder, Helen. I'd like you to know. Star, is Star Wars Uprising, right? Is that uh, the, the Battlefront? Two. It's in Battlefront Two, and it's yeah. the it's the uh, it's the thing where once the Emperor dies, they blow up loads and loads of planets using mm. lightning or whatnot. But yes, I remember it from that. It's really interesting how they're folding all the, the video game stuff into this as well now, mm. isn't it? 
Well, it's more of a nod, isn't it? It's less of a kind of a key plot point. It's more of a, hey, if you know this, you'll yeah. get a warm and fuzzy feeling. <laughs> warm and fuzzy ding, feeling ding, ding. about genocide. Warm and genocide. fuzzy genocide, genocide. feeling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, remember the genocide we did? Oh, Graphics were great in that genocide. <laughs> oh, no. It felt like that conversation as well, though, that the, the conversation that um, Mando and, and Bill Burr had in the transport, it felt like it was, again, leading up to the helmet taking off of he, his sort of blind devotion to the way is slowly being eroded. I like that that's coming from different people from different perspectives that he started to get this bigger picture of like, it's not just Bo-Katan saying to you like, it's kind of weird that you never take that off. It's other people being like, you know, like fully devoting yourself to a specific doctrine yeah. might not yeah. be the coolest thing, which I think is just quite an interesting, like it's, it was an interesting other perspective to get that from, from, from that character in particular. Yeah, mm. I mean, there's two. I think if you go back and you look at uh, chapter nine, God, I'm getting confused with the chapter numbers. Chapter nine and chapter eleven, so episodes one and three of this season, and the moment that Cobb, Fanth, and Bukatan take their helmets off is framed almost identically. And so mm. the the camera is on Mando, there in the foreground, he's in the background, and you can just see. You know, as someone pointed out, Helen, you pointed out, or did you see someone on Twitter said last week, whenever someone says to uh, Mando, I think a Fennec Shan says to Mando, you look like you've just seen a ghost. And yeah, yeah. the idea is, how, <laughs> so, how do they wearing know? a helmet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's Petro Pascal and the other fellas' um, mm. incredible command of body language that yeah. I think allows you to see that. And the way he kind of, he does act surprised through the mm. through the armor. And uh, so you're, you're beginning to see that, as Ben says, he's exposed to Cobb Fanth's viewpoint on the helmet, Bogatan's. Boba Fett as well, who's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't care, I'm not a Mandalorian, mate. I'll just take it on and off as is necessary. And now in this one, you have Bill Burr talking some sense. Speaking of body language, though, I like the fact that even when he puts on his stormtrooper outfit or whatever kind of trooper that is, the truck driver trooper, um, the <laughs> truck uh, trooper? yeah, uh, he still has the gunslinger swagger when he's walking mm. towards things. So it's it's noticeably Mando just from the way he walks. Have we seen that sort of stormtrooper get up before, Jimbo? A very good question. I wasn't sure it looked familiar but i think maybe not i did recognize the shore troopers that we got when we got to the base which are those kind of tan colored ones from rogue mm. one um yes. so those we've seen before and there were the the death star gunners the imperial gunners were on the big heavy artillery outside and they obviously blew up all on the death star but uh, i don't know yeah. if i've seen the, the the truck driver ones before the teamster troopers as we should call them from now on <laughs> Their armor looked really thick and heavy. We were talking the other day about how, like, the actual stormtrooper armor—it might as well mm. just be paper. Yeah. <laughs> and some people get really heavy-duty ones. Why do the truck drivers get the like heftiest armor? Well, because they're they're driving Redonium. <laughs> yeah, which if that blows up, they're just going to be exploded into flames anyway. But it's nice to feel slightly reassured in the back of your mind. It's a psychological <laughs> thing that maybe this maybe I'll be the one in a million that the armor protects. Yeah. Well, may, maybe they unionized and they were like, guys, we need like better protection here. We're lobbying for better armor. The Empire does not seem like a place that is uh, very friendly to unions. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We want we want some guardrails on these giant, yep. uh, you know, high towers up in. The the Death Star? No, fuck you. If you fall, it's your fault. If you have an injury at work, do not call injurylawyersforyou.com. Honestly, you idiots. It just goes straight through to Moff, Gid- Moff Gideon and yes. he comes and kills you straight away. Yes. <laughs> there is no HR in the Empire, that is for sure. A uh, couple, of, couple of quick points in that. I think also they have armour because they're being constantly attacked by pirates mm-hmm. for the aforementioned reasons. And uh, secondly, uh, just looking at the credits of the show, one of the short troopers, I guess the one that was most prominent in the show, was played by Barry Lowen, yes, who is one of Team Mando. 
He's one of the three mm. members of Team Mando, uh, alongside, of course, Latif Crowder and Brendan Wayne. So uh-huh. there you go. Little bit of a little bit of trivia for you there. Uh, and I think this all brings us very, very neatly. We've, you know, we're talking about the conversation that Mando and um, Mayfeld are having in that super truck, that transport. And for, and then that brings us to the action sequence of the episode. Mm. There's a couple, but this is the big one. And it's the sort of wages of fear meets Mad Max mm. action sequence that I thought was absolutely terrific. And, you know, in a show that I think takes its lead an awful lot from video game culture, this really felt like a video game action scene in that yeah. you beat one wave of baddies and then another wave of baddies <laughs> comes in. You beat that wave of baddies and then your your gun is running out of ammunition, which is, a I think, a first for Star Wars. I don't think I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, fuck, here comes another wave of baddies. I really hope that there's a Mando-style deus ex machina in <laughs> yeah. the wings here. Look, there's another baddie and he's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes me think, by the way, the thermal detonator is what makes me think they're local populace, the pirates, because they're not trying to steal the trucks. They're trying to destroy them. So they're trying to stop the empire from gaining mineral wealth from this planet. So you're saying they have an environmental agenda, Helen, is what you're saying? I mean, not necessarily environmental. It could be political, but they're just trying to get the fuckers off their planet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems entirely fair, I think. But I'm sure they're affiliated to a legitimate political party, oh Helen, God, so it's, it's all good. I think it was interesting to see the Empire be fully imperial, to be colonial mm. in that sense. Like, I think it was an interesting perspective on that whole idea that is sort of inherent to Star Wars, but also they never really show it other than like, oh, the Empire's taken over this planet and the stormtroopers everywhere. Mm. It was like they came to this sort of indigenous planet are stripping all the resources and screwing over the the native people and you saw that in a maybe a slightly blunter way this week than you yeah. mm-hmm. than you have in other star wars things yeah i think that's absolutely right but also mayfeld's speech about the lines being blurred between the empire and the new republic reminded mm-hmm. me of dj's speech to finn in the last jedi and you get this idea of the shades of gray slowly being introduced to the mm-hmm. star wars universe yeah. and i really like that not least of course because the deus ex machina that saves them is an imperial one at the yeah. end and so for the first time you're going oh, am i happy to see tie fighters blowing <laughs> yeah. up these innocent people what's going on this is really interesting and i felt conflicted i was like why is he fighting the pirates like obviously he he wants to not blow up. I understand that, but he was like just <laughs> straight metal. Yeah, I don't care. Killed the he, fuckers. He straight up murdered them. In fact, he got some good um good spear throwing practice at the yeah. end of that sequence. He's practicing from off Gideon. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, he yeah. really hurled that spear at that pirate guy. Uh, I think it was the guy who had the detonator or. I don't mm. know, one of the other ones. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I do. I feel really conflicted about, yeah. like, you, it's basically twisting the whole thing on its head. Like, you know that it's Mando in there, but as far as anybody else would see, this is an Imperial driver man with big heavy armour <laughs> fighting off these sort of political activist-y piratey people. It was, it was like, a, yeah. it was a weird twist, but I, uh, it was interesting at least. And, and it, I mean, the, the episode very much does play the TIE Fighters as saviors, like the music, the way they're shot, mm. the, the timing of it, it plays them as saviors. It was almost a relief later in the episode when TIE Fighters appeared as bad guys to chase our heroes as they try to escape because you were like, oh, thank God, now I know where I stand again. Because for a minute there, it really did feel like uh, the, the ground moving underneath your feet. Yeah. 
That's a really, really, really good point. Uh, because I was waiting for it to happen. Because let's be honest, it's not the first time that Mando has needed outside assistance. But I was expecting it to be Fennec Shand or even yeah. Boba. And it wasn't. It was Imperials. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, but then the episode does its best, as you say, to really kind of restore equilibrium and remind us all that Imperials are absolute shits. Uh, with that conversation with uh, with Richard Brake and a helmetless Mando. Valin Hess, like, the, the, I can't get on board with American Imperials. I make an allowance <laughs> for Moff Gideon, but, and even Titus Welliver, because he's Titus Welliver, but just be English, man, for the love of God. Yes, if you're going to be evil, be English. I mean, yeah. honestly. I mean, we have we've worked earned long. It. We've earned it. We've worked long and hard over the centuries to be imperialist twats. We should be the template for imperialist twats. That's all I'm saying. He he had a really interesting line that I wrote down that just like sparked something in my head of um, where he said everybody thinks they want freedom but what they really want is order and I mm-hmm. thought that use of the word order even if the whole thing of this is building the empire back up into the first order if that is how they are selling it to people that that the new republic's not working that it's um, we need order in the galaxy and we will bring that order as the first order. Mm. <laughs> Nifty branding. Yeah, it, it is also a classic um, trope, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it, literally, it was you know part of Trump's re-election campaign, the the law and order message that he kept trying to hammer home. It, it's a it's a classic thing, you know. You you tell people that there's chaos, and then you tell them you have the the solution to it. classic uh, fascist move. Chaos is a ladder, Helen. Chaos mm. is a ladder. Thank you, James. Yeah, but mm. but yeah, it is interesting. All of this talk in this episode about the new new republic being in complete disarray. Um, and and also that same guy, Valen Hess, talking about we can create havoc. So, you know, how much are they in disarray and how much are they being disarrayed? Felt a bit like he was like, you know, the New Republic is an omni-shambles. Like it had a real <laughs> kind of thick of it vibe to it. Like they're just fucking everything up. I don't know what they're doing. I think it's the first year of the Bartlett administration, you know? <laughs> like they just, they haven't quite let Bartlett be Bartlett yet. Classic empire fanning around. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like Richard Brake. I think he's uh, he's a, a, a underrated character actor. I'm sure you Game of Throners were, were absolutely uh, cock a hoop to see him in this. No, always pleased oh, yeah. to see Richard Brake in everything. Okay, uh, I I am a fan. But then they took the break off, and uh, uh, Bill Burr shot him dead. Shot him dead. He shot a man on Morak just to watch him die. I'll be honest. I thought Mayfelt wasn't going to make out this episode alive. I thought he was going to take one for Mando. Mm. Yeah, I, I worried as soon as he saw his face. Really. But he not only sort of uh, saw his face and lived, but also actively covered for him, actively joined into this to help him maintain, you know, mm. his cover. And uh, and that was kind of nice to see. It kind of gives you hope. Except he didn't. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, it needs to scan your face to use the network. It's like, I'm sorry, if it scanned your face onto the Imperial network, is this a, not a lot like going through customs at the US where now every single Imperial has a picture of Mando's face? I mean, maybe, but yeah, so, or does it matter maybe. as long as he keeps his helmet on? Otherwise, but I mean, you make a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, true. One thing I thought. One thing I thought about is the scan in his face. But his face won't be on any database. So what are they scanning yeah, it for? Like, it's yeah. the worst security ever. It's like if uh, if like if like your iPhone had face ID but anyone's face unlocked it. It's just like no, it should be your face. <laughs> it's certain people are red flagged on the system and everybody else is, is assumed to be okay that seems to be yeah. the situation so everybody else in the group has a red flag yeah and yeah. mando is the only one with no flag at all so that's fine like it, maybe it's there's a no system green that flag just, here it just assesses people's handsomeness 
Uh-huh. And so, you know, Cobb Vanth takes Cobb his helmet Vanth off and gets fine. scanned. Uh, Mando takes his helmet off and the, and the system's like, yeah, mate. I mean, you're great. Those baby browns. Uh, yes. Tash, you're rocking it. You can have the coordinates to Moff Gideon's ship. Of course you can. No questions asked. Why, why wouldn't I give you the coordinates? Are we just going to call Mando brown eyes from now on? Is that, so, is that going to become a thing? <laughs> I'm here for it. Sorry, yeah. Jim, you have to speak up. I, I had my ears hurt in a, some battle. <laughs> what? What was that? Yeah. Good old brown eyes. Oh, I mean, they're they're good eyes. Did I tell you about the time he said he said I had Wonder Woman hair? He did. Anyway, did he? yeah. So anyway, the, 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 the wedding invitations will be going out any day now. Yes, it just, it's just it's just his line. <laughs> hey, hey, yes, James, you definitely have Wonder Woman hair. Why? Thank you, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, but another thing about this episode, it does it, it does deepen Mayfeld's character, and we get a sense that he was. Uh, and you know, uh, I think we have a question about this coming up in a, in a second, Helen. Um, but someone does ask: Is this the quickest ever fill into hero transformation <laughs> in the history of of a show like this, where the first time we see him? He's he's you know a sort of unambiguous rotter, and now he's like I'm a I'm a rascally rogue. But I've had yeah. he's he's basically he goes full Deckard Shaw, but in the in a more compressed time frame from yeah. from full on rotter to rascally rogue with a bit of a past in 0.3 parsecs. Yeah, he does have that line about we all need to sleep at night, doesn't he? Uh, it, it, it's a lot of redemption in a short period, as you know. That's not my favorite thing, but at the same time, like Bill Burr is good. I I, I kind of bought it. I think. Mm. I've just reminded uh, there was a great Jerry Seinfeld routine about how he thought uh, all you needed to have to drive a cab in New York was have a face. <laughs> yeah. So maybe <laughs> maybe there's something similar going on here with yeah. the with the imperial system. Um, One more question though: getting the coordinates to a ship. So what? Ships move. Like I didn't that's understand. That's kind of the point that. of them, isn't it? Yeah. So. Rather than coordinates, is it some kind of essentially like, like tracking tracker. device or something that they've now locked into? Like they've got a code yeah. and they can ping its position or something. Like it, it. Basically, he just wanted to get Moff Gideon's email address. That's what the whole thing was about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Just so he can send him that message. He just wanted yeah. to log in to find my phone. Yeah, with Moff Gideon's <laughs> phone. Basically, what's happening? Yeah, Moff find my star destroyer. <laughs> Moff Gideon gets alert. Someone has logged in to findmystardestroyer.com from a location that was not recognised. Was this you? And he's going, nope, that wasn't me. I wonder who that could possibly be. Uh, I have to say, when they when they cut to his star destroyer at the end, uh, mm. the SS uh, dickhead, uh, I thought that. We were going to see Baby Yoda, maybe, and see how they were progressing with his torture. Fun torture this week, Baby Yoda. Uh, or whether he was like becoming a little bit more dark sidey. But no, it's it's Mando calling ahead, going, hey, mate. Now, I don't know much about tactics. <laughs> but if you are a small force of, oh, let me see, four people, uh, and you have one ship and a spear... Um, I'm not sure you call ahead to the heavily armed Imperial Star Destroyer and let them know that you're coming. It is such a flex. Like, I'm going to come and kill you, but first, I'm going to leave you a voicemail saying, fuck you, man. Fuck you. And the horse you rode in on. That's right. Mandalorian on fire. He's going to kick some ass. You should have just pranked called them all the way through the episode. I need Amanda Hugging Kids. Yeah, oh. that's a bit less it. I need Amanda Hugging Kids. That's the Poe Dameron move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Hello, has anyone seen my friend Michael Hunt? First name, Mike. Uh, all right, let's take some questions. No, I only had one more question, and it was this. Uh, it, obviously, we start in a scrapyard. That felt like the ideal place to seed lots of Star Wars Easter egg references. And scanning it, I didn't pick out a single one. I'm sure they were there, and I feel mm. like I missed them. Did any of oh you pick God, those up? You failed. No, I didn't, obviously. But, no, I didn't uh, see anything I, familiar. Yeah, sorry. No, I, but I like the crane thingies that look kind of like giraffes. Or like beheaded yeah. walkers, yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say I quite liked that that this wasn't because we, we were convinced last week that this episode would be a prison break episode mm. and that mm. you know would be involved and we might even see Clancy Brown back again as that sort of you know shit Tim Curry from Legend that he was. <laughs> um but no, we didn't. And you know, they cut straight to the chase. And it wasn't even a recruitment episode either. I was getting all no. kinds of excited about that. It was just, you know, we need this one guy and we've got him. So there we go. Let's take some questions. Here is a question from at DCYPJ. Now that is a catchy handle. I love how shit-scared Mando is when he's without his helmet and that he will break his unbreakable rule because he loves Grogu so much. Mm. More of a comment than a question, if I'm honest, but uh, (laughs) there is something to discuss. uh, Because Mando is... He's like a rabbit in the headlights without his helmet, isn't he? He's just like, what's happening? Oh, God, what is this peripheral vision? What's going on? I can see things on my side. He doesn't realise how shifty his eyes are when he takes that helmet off. (laughs) Whenever he's in those situations, he's always like freaked out on the inside, but he looks super cool with his helmet on. And then in real life, he's actually... Nervous as hell. Yeah. He looks proper suspicious when Fallon Hess comes across and goes, What are you doing? And he's like, oh. uh, uh, uh. He's not great at thinking on his feet, is he? He's no. like, uh, my, my, my name? My, my, my I, name? I, I couldn't I, have. I couldn't have. No! At Tokyo Sexwell, who is a phenomenal artist, by mm-hmm. the way, asks, these are all on Twitter, by the way. I'd like to ask the Empire team if they thought the episode started as a homage to Friedkin's Sorcerer. And if they did think that, were they a little disappointed they didn't do a little more with the bridge? Now, you know, Sorcerer is, of course, as Tokyo Sexwell points out, uh, also, it's a remake of Wages of Fear. Mm. And I I had that going through my head all mm-hmm. the way instead of Sorcerer. Although the Rhydonium... It was nice. It was a nice little conceit, a little bit Superman 3 as well, mm. where, you know, that, that liquid, that volatile liquid, um, if it becomes red, then Superman is in trouble. It would have been nice to have something like that, but mm. I thought it was totally fine. Yeah, a few more cliff edges wouldn't entirely have gone amiss, but, mm. yeah. you know, as it was, I like the whole the conceit that they can see the trucks ahead of them exploding huh. and uh, Mayfeld getting more and more freaked out by that. I thought that was really, really nicely done, but... Um, but yeah, I just wanted maybe if if you were going to go wages of fear, like go wages of fear and put in, you know, some mountainside roads and rickety bridges and really tar pits. Go for tar pits. Wow. Yeah. Okay, sure. All yeah, sorts. It, it felt like they weren't going for that kind of real creaking tension there. It was it was more it was almost like wages of fear meets speed. <laughs> Whereas like the, the the truck that the they couldn't slow it couldn't down, slow but down. if they don't slow it down, it will blow up. <laughs> Reminded me a big track. Do you, remember, do you remember Big Track, the little programmable thing from the 80s that used to... No? Am I on my own here? I'm Just ben, you. Clearly, you wouldn't have been born for another 40 yeah, you, years when that came out. All, but yeah. You had all the fancy toys, James. I know, didn't have so. a Big Track. you got to be well, kidding. Oh, Couldn't afford one wow, of those. Wow, there was one but, you didn't have. That's amazing. <laughs> I didn't have a Big Track. But yeah, it, it felt like a Big Track. Ben, the 1980s was a decade <laughs> that took place before the 1990s. You should, Which uh, was a decade before the noughties. Yeah. I don't recognise anything pre-1991. <laughs> 
Unless it's Star Wars. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, here's a question from at hipster underscore doofus. With Chris being right about the mask removal. Oh, well, listen, I don't want to gloat. Does this mean we're definitely going to get Luke next week? Or is it more a case of a stopped clock being right twice? Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> take that back. Yes, I don't think we're going to get Luke Skywalker anymore. I, I, I don't. I don't think either Luke or Ezra Bridger has the coordinates to Moff Gideon's Star Destroyer. Right. 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 Sure. I wouldn't think so. Unless that's the big mic drop at the end of the season. Like obviously the, the final image drop. of yeah, like oh the final image of, of season one was Moff Gideon and the Dark Saber. It was a real mm. like this is the thing that you're gonna be sitting there going, Oh shit, while you wait for season two to come along. I, I imagine that it's gonna end on some kind of big old <gasps> moment. Yeah. I think you might be right because it would be weird to not have any response to that very fancy looking cool phone call last episode. And so yeah. you might have somebody turn up as the very last moment of the season. Maybe. Yeah, Hopefully. that makes sense. I mean, one thing has fundamentally changed since we discussed last episode, and I know it's a completely different time period, but the fact that they announced last night that Darth Vader is coming back mm. into the Star Wars universe in the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series means I think that all bets are off. No, really. like no. If, if you if we had sat no I'm not talking Darth Vader. Don't worry. No, okay, but good. I'm just saying in terms of where this show can go and the characters uh, it can yeah. bring in. Darth I Vader's mean, look, dead, guys. Darth Vader's dead. I know so that. So was Boba Fett and digested and yet here we are. Yes, this is true, but uh we've slowly you know, though. You know, we've seen Darth huge. Vader's corpse. It's literally been burned on a funeral yeah. pyre. Uh yeah. it's I mean it's that all, never stopped the Winchesters. So <laughs> Like, if we had said, if we'd had this conversation last week and I'd said to you, oh, hey, by the way, guys, Hayden Christensen's going to play Darth Vader again, you'd have all called me deranged and had me carted off to the nuthouse. Yeah. And <laughs> so, but it's happening. So there's no reason why they couldn't stealthily do a de-aged Mark Hamill or have Sebastian Stan, who we apparently have decided is going to be he is the young Luke yeah. Skywalker. There's no reason why it couldn't happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm saying, in fact, I'm saying it could. Um, I, I feel All like right. somebody's going to turn up at the end of the season in response to the phone call. Maybe. Okay. Louis D. Strong just simply asks, where's the baby? I miss him, mm. which must be one of Ben's burner accounts. <laughs> I'm loving these questions this week. There, there are more comments and questions, and I'm not even sure this is a comment. This comes from Taryn Strong. I don't have a Mandalorian question. She says, I just wanted to say, I love his face. Oh, that's so true. That's, that's Helen's a such burner a good account. Point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beth underscore Wag asks, why didn't they offer to give Mayfeld a lift rather than leaving him on a planet? <laughs> I did. Do you know what? I genuinely thought that. That's other. You're free to go. I'm like, well, you've got the only ship and you're in the middle of a jungle. I'm not sure you freed him so much as sentenced him to a long and painful death. But there's a village sure. down the road. He'll be fine. Yeah, but he's wearing imperial clothes, isn't he? Or has he changed at the end? I can't I think remember. He's changed at the end. He's changed. He's in his casuals, he's imperial changed. casuals. He's in his little PJs. Steeler guy underscore three. After the season of The Mandalorian and due to the just announced upcoming series, do you think you will be watching Clone Wars and Rebels? What do you mean watching, rewatching? Surely over the next year before season three, might I suggest spoiler special podcasts covering each season as a whole as you watch them? Good lord! Listen, mate. If you've got a time turner, then I'm all for doing that. Uh, otherwise the, we may have to play it by ear Yeah, the, look, I mean, I, I do want to But I actually looked up Ahsoka Tano's Wikipedia page For other reasons today And it is the longest <laughs> Wikipedia page In his, it is so long There is so much story 
in those shows so much that re-watching them, of course, as as it would be, you know, seems like a huge time commitment. Um, so I will I will do my best to get into it a little bit, but oh my God, there's a lot of Star Wars out there. And about to be more. Who even is a ranger? What does that mean? <laughs> uh, it's Cara June, right? Well, they're technically called, she's currently called a marshal because I double checked that, you know, in the episode. So I'm just... I guess that's what they're talking about, but, you know, I don't know for sure. I must know. Someone Helen, must tell me. Surely it's the long-awaited Babylon 5 crossover <gasps> Legend of the Rangers, and that's what it is. <gasps> Hooray. <laughs> Quick, Helen, to the Babsock phone. <laughs> At John C.N. Harris, formerly of this parish. Uh, I like Bill Burr a lot more around this time around. He's quickly becoming one of the more developed characters in The Mandalorian. Yeah, I love that stuff about, you know, his his dark past and how ambivalent he was about the whole thing. Do you think he'll be back? I mean, Maybe. I, I feel like everyone they leave on the table has the potential to come back at some point. And it's been nice this series seeing, obviously, little bits of team-ups of people who I don't think I necessarily expected Bill Burr to be back. So um, it, it's quite nice knowing that they will leave these players on the table and it might mm. be quite a while before we see them, but they might pop up and when you don't really expect it either. Mm. I think, and been planned for a while, because I seem to recall that Bill Burr, that we knew he was coming back from season one, like they'd said at the time, it was great having one, he will be back. So they do they do shelve characters with a mind to using them down the line, which is nice to know. But Ahsoka Tano, obviously we thought she'd come back. She's too big to waste, but of course she won't because she has her own show, which we've just <laughs> set up. Well, she, yeah. I mean, she could still come back for the finale. There yeah, still I'm, could I'm be... Crossover a, a, a go-go. Yeah, there still could mm. be a get-the-team-together moment coming up, but it looks like it won't be a full episode, sadly. Yeah. Crossover's a Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at OJH Way was the person who uh, asked, was this the fastest villain to hero turnaround ever? I remember Mayfeld from Chapter 6 as an irredeemable psychopath, and now he's just a thoughtful, kind of nice guy. I think the recap goes out of its way to show us that Mayfeld was not the person who killed <laughs> yes. that nice guard in the prison. So therefore, he wasn't as bad as Knifey Lady. Oh, well, that's okay then. Uh, he also asked, did Mando just indiscriminately kill a whole bunch of anti-imperial freedom fighters without even considering an alternative? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, we'll gloss over it and we move on. We do what we must when our backs are against a wall. <laughs> do we? Baby Yoda depends on it then. Oh my yeah. God, I'm so conflicted. <laughs> this innocent family will now be grieving over Space Christmas, but on the other hand... Life day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, life day. Do you remember when daddy was alive, mummy? And then he was killed by that imperial dickhead anyway happy life day happy life <laughs> happy space turkey from me oh god tim from wales asks why did they give us a filler episode and oh. i took exception to that i replied to tim from I wales know exactly what he means that we are at the penultimate episode and i felt like we were heading into the end game i thought we'd have a mando's 11 assembling the team episode portals. and then a finale where it all comes together with the portals yes but i it felt a little bit like this could have been anywhere doing anything they were looking for moff gideon's location but frankly it could have been a ham sandwich it was just a random mcguffin and they had to get it from an imperial base it almost didn't matter so to a certain extent it was a bit of a filler episode in that it didn't you know substantially move things along in a meaningful way like you could have gone straight from the last one to this one and just oh they know where the thing is it's fine true 
But we wouldn't have seen his face. So. That's true. That's true. And I'm not, I'm like I say, enjoyed the episode a lot, but I kind of, it wasn't the sort of momentous, seismic, you know, plot shifting, mythology building episode that I maybe wanted. I, I think the run of episodes that we're coming off, though, are slightly atypical for Mando. It feels yeah. like, like mm. these sort of episodes are the meat of the show and they stood the season with a couple of big episodes that shift things and really move that big overarching plot along. But I think instead of it being like filler episodes, it's not like it's a show where every episode moves on the whole entire story yeah i I think it's a slightly different way of looking at it really it's um but i do agree i sort of agree with what james said that it it feels like they inserted this adventure into the overarching narrative rather than it being really really necessary for it to be there but it gives you that like you said that character time and the development of him taking off the mask which has itself been a big story arc this Mm. season so what it did do though and i think the only sort of thing that kind of is key important is you realize if you didn't already know how much baby yoda means to him that he will betray his most core beliefs to mm. get baby yoda back so yeah it, it, it emphasizes the bond he has with baby grogu this yeah. is the way this is the way baby this yoda is the, is the way i thought it was a huge episode in those terms but i have just looked back at the equivalent episode from last season which was chapter seven the reckoning and it was that big ep where they they go back to Dave Nafaro and he yeah. recruits Cara Dune and Queel and it ends with Queel being killed by Lewis two biker mm. scouts and you know the, and the tension and mm. oh my god and there's IG-11 and it's all happening it's all kicking off and then this episode this I, I still think this episode was great and potentially potentially was my favourite uh, although it reminded me also how much I loved chapter 6 the, the prison episode as well mm. yeah one last thing uh, this is from me what do we make of the title of the episode? We haven't talked about that yet. It's called yes, The Believer. True. Who is The Believer? It is a genius reference to the monkeys. Because <laughs> <laughs> then we saw his face. This is oh, The Believer. Oh my God. Wow. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. <laughs> a down down my mind. Mind. Oh my God. I genuinely I'm think that's love. probably Ooh. true. <laughs> I'm a believer. Save baby Yoda, you must try. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that's made my day. On that note, I think that's a good note. Or notes, <laughs> should I say. Uh, let's get out before they, they sue us for royalties. I nearly sang a Beatles song at the beginning of the episode. And I was like, no, no don't, do don't do that. Paul McCartney is not as forgiving as I am. <laughs> um, uh, but that is it for this week's episode of the Mandalorian Spoiler Special. Next week, folks, it's the last episode. It's no. the last episode of season it two. Better be an hour long at least. I'd love it if it was like 25 minutes. He just turns up on the Star Destroy, kicks Kills the everyone. living shit out of Moff Gideon, and then fucks off. That'd be amazing. Like 15 of those minutes of him and Baby Yoda just having a picnic. <laughs> With his helmet off, the hair blowing oh, in the wind. The hair and the, the ears hair. for ears for Ben, hair for yes. me. Oh my God, yeah. sounds amazing. And and Tash for everyone else. <laughs> so say all of us. Uh, yes, join us next week for more Mando-related fun. Until then, it is goodbye from Baby Yoda's day off. Hashtag Save Grogu, Ben Travis. Goodbye. It is goodbye from I Sense Much Wages of Fear in You, James Dyer. Drive carefully, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you have a truck full of... <laughs> Redonium behind you. And it's goodbye, of course, from Mask Off, Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to do the Carlton dance. Everyone join in. Why don't you? The Carlton dance from Fresh Prince. It's basically where I'm going with that reference. Right.
Huh. Huh. Oh, that's... Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.